Hello, lovely listeners, and welcome to Perimenopause Power. Before we jump in today's episode, we are excited to share some big news with you today, particularly for our Melbourne-based listeners. We would love you to mark your calendars because we're thrilled to announce our upcoming Menopause Redefined event in the spirit of World Menopause Day. We know that menopause isn't just a phase, it's a transformation, a rebirth and an awakening. And in a few weeks, we would love you to join us for this powerful journey where we'll delve deep into the physical, mental, emotional and spiritual aspects of menopause. It's an event designed to empower women to come into their own power during this remarkable life stage. We've gathered an inspiring lineup of speakers which includes today's guest speaker, Penny Lacasso, who are all ready to share their insights and strategies for thriving during menopause. So Melbourne listeners and beyond, of course, stay tuned for Menopause Redefined happening on October 20th. Make sure that you subscribe to our podcast to catch all of the updates as we will be providing regular links and updates through all of the upcoming podcast episodes. We are so ready to help you embrace this incredible chapter of life and we cannot wait to bring you this event. Well, hello listeners and welcome back to another episode of Perimenopause Power. Lisa, we are together in the room recording. Whoop, whoop. That's exciting. I I know. It is always nice. And we have a wonderful and very inspiring guest in Penny Lacasso. Let me share with you who Penny is. Penny is the world's first happiness hacker who aims to teach 10 million people by 2025 how to thrive in life. An influential Australian entrepreneur, Penny transformed her life by leaving a 16-year executive career, relocating her family, ending an 18-year relationship and founding HackyHappy.co. With 20-plus years of adaptability expertise, she empowers individuals to conquer uncertainty, discover their flow and flourish. Collaborating with giants like Google, Microsoft and Deloitte, Penny pioneered the intentional adaptability quotient psychometric tool featured in the American Consulting Journal of Psychology. Beyond entrepreneurship, she's an author, HBR contributor, yoga teacher, Singularity University faculty, and a student of psychology and trauma therapy under Gabor Mate. And imagine the potential with Penny in your corner. Amazing. Hello, Penny. <laughs> Hello. I always... <laughs> Bios are a funny thing, aren't they? Oh. But, you know, how impressive with what you've done. I'm very impressed, Penny. Yeah, it's nice. Like, it's funny how we attach to social proof, isn't it? Yes. Um, But I'm always more interested in, like, this sort of stuff. It's the human conversation and the connection. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people are just naturally curious as well, aren't they, about life. But then there's also that credibility piece too, that people just want you to list off everything that you've done and your qualifications. (laughs) And um, But, you know, I think own it. It's it's an amazing bio. We'd love to hear in your own words a little bit about your hacking happy story and how you got to be where you are today. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I was uh, 16 years in a corporate career working for Shell, um, managed to climb up the food chain and um, got to an executive level, had everything you could possibly want down to the white picket fence. 
Um, and so I ticked all these boxes I was told would make me happy slash successful, but I found myself at the age of 39, um, with all of, you know, all of this stuff, um, and was like, how is it? I've done everything I was told was right. And I don't feel fulfilled. And so I sort of asked myself, what does success look like on my terms? Like I realized that what I'd created was, a societal definition of success and never once had I asked myself what is my definition of success and when I step back the things that made me happy slash successful in my view were positively impacting the lives of others human connection sharing experiences and being more present in a moment and equally what was disturbing was they were all the things I was sidelining in my pursuit of more Mm. Uh, so I did something crazy and I turned my whole life upside down in pursuit of happiness. So within a seven month period, I left a 16 year career as an executive at the top of my game as a female with high potential, which I always find funny because I'm yet to meet one with no potential. <laughs> I relocated my family from Perth back to Melbourne. I left an 18 year relationship and started my own purpose-driven company, hackinghappy.co, because I thought I can't be the only person that's looking for more meaning in life. And what if I could help people define flourishing on their terms and then learn using the best of science and psychology, how to inject more of it into each day. And that was the beginning of Penny (laughs) 2.0. That was like eight years ago now. So yeah. Amazing. And I have to say, I just, I shared, and we've spoken before, a very similar experience when I had my daughter and returned back to work. And I thought, hang on, I'm living what you're meant to be doing across your life. And so why am I now having this feeling of yearning for something? And I felt terribly guilty because I had a, a beautiful baby girl. I had a, had a good career. I was like, hang on, what 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 is going on here? And, and same, I just flipped my life upside down just in terms of the career side of things but it's it's been an amazing few years and I just think you know what had I not done that I still would have probably been in that job unhappy and unsatisfied and look at all the things I've done and learnt and grown and that scares um, me even just thinking about that Nat like you know being in something that would I be if I hadn't have changed absolutely and you know I would say there's still a lot of there's a lot of people out there that haven't felt that they've been able to take that next you know that leap in relation to you know just like what you've done Penny and what Nat and I've done in relation to changing what it is that makes us happy through life and they're probably still on that same trajectory and, and not happy so yeah kudos to you that's fantastic um please can I just say something on that because I think it's interesting right yeah my theory is that the time between one when one starts to think and feel unsettled, yeah, and, and want to make change, significant change like we're talking about, and the, and the time between that and them actually taking action if they do for women based on all of the sort of conversations I've had is generally around three years. Wow. Yeah, well, yeah. and look, you know what, you would be right because I think that when I started to think about, well, I don't think this is what I'm cut out to do or the way I'm supposed to be living my life, even from just a work career perspective, it was probably longer. But that three years on average would be, I reckon, you're, uh, uh, you know, that's very right. I can see yeah. that. I just think it's interesting, right, because yeah. I think that we sit with these we sit with it for so long because as women, right, I think we love to overanalyze, mm. love to sort of say, like, is it the right decision? What are the repercussions? How am I going to navigate this? 
But I think that if you've been sitting, that's why I always think longing is a really interesting thing to unpack. What have you longed to do that you've never done? Or ask yourself, if fear didn't exist, what one change would I make tomorrow that I know would make me happier? Mm. Yeah, they're really good guiding questions. Mm. I love that. And it's, and there's also a bit of, you know, expectations that you, you know, patriarchy expectations that you've grown up that keep you possibly doing what you're doing because that's that's considered the thing that you should be doing from a society point of view. Um, you know, you, you do this, you do that, you get a job, you have children or you don't or whatever, but you go along the same element in life or steps in life that everyone does and that's considered, you know, that's considered successful if you're ticking those boxes, isn't it? Mm, Very much so. Um, your work sees you empowering professional women, Penny, who may be feeling stuck and exhausted to find their spark again. What are the common causes of women feeling stuck and exhausted these days? And oh. that's a great question leading on from where we've just left. People-pleasing perfectionism. Mm. Yeah, and, and you know, it connects in with another topic. And, again, I'm not sharing. I, I'm sharing what's come off the back of 200 depth interviews with high-performing women who are extremely busy, feel exhausted, and they say to me, I feel like I've lost my spark. And the consistent themes that come up is they spend so much time meeting the needs of everybody else, mm. it comes at the cost of their own health and happiness, right? And then they, they're standing there going, I don't, like, I love when, and this is, I hear this all the time, they say to me, I look in the mirror and I don't even recognise the woman staring back at me. Wow. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, like I get yeah. goosebumps and I've heard it a hundred times. So people please imperfectionism, which leads into another word or um, statement that, again, clients have shared with me. It's this mother martyr syndrome. And it comes back to what you said about the patriarchy and societal ex expectations. It's like, I should be a certain type of mother. And that looks based on society's expectation, like I should be able to do freaking everything. You know, I should be able to be the high-powered career woman, earning stacks of money, you know, progressing up the food chain. I should be able to make sure that there's a dinner on the table and that the kids are all sorted and I can get them all to soccer and all the other bits and pieces, um, you know, and I should be able to be fit and healthy at the same time and look amazing and uh -huh. equally make sure I look like it's all just happening with no See, effort whatsoever. That's right. You've just explained it beautifully. And it's no wonder we're all so stressed and, you know, um, out of our mind in relation to how we're going to do it all because we can have it all, which is, you know, so it's, yeah, just frustrates the hell out of me actually. Yeah. And I also think, again, there's loads of research around these. The mental load Mm. Um, which is kind of related to the invisible work that, again, I'm generalising, but we know, again, based on research, that women still carry the lion's share of work in the home. Yeah. Yeah, uh, without a doubt. And all we've done is added a second job by giving them professional careers. Yeah, and so there is this, this sort of undertone of all this invisible work and the mental load that goes with that. And the best way that I can explain it is putting a meal on the table is a perfect example, right? A meal arrives on the table, there's no acknowledgement value placed on preparing, um, thinking about that meal and what it would look like for the family, going and sourcing the products to make that meal and then putting it on the table. All that's seen is the food on the table. And so all of that mental and invisible work that goes on behind that no one else, like we as women, it's just what we carry, it's who we are. 
it's innate. I love that example because I've, I'm raising two boys with my husband and I will, I'm very vocal in relation to how things got to where they are. And you know what? Um, very often now my boys will say, thanks, mum. That was a great dinner. Thanks for making it for me. I'm thinking, yes, my job here is done. But it's a really good point you raise in relation to the hidden workload that we are doing with, it's not like we're looking for thanks all the time, but it's really lovely to receive it, isn't it? And just be acknowledged for, you know, doing that as well. So you touch on something else that I think is really interesting that might be relevant to your listeners. So um, with the work that I'm doing at the moment with Gabor Maté on um, learning how to become a trauma-informed therapist, um, I the beauty of this work is that they won't let you become the therapist until you do the work on yourself first. Mm. One of the things that I have discovered through that work, which has been really uncomfortable but I started talking about it, is that I'm an angry woman. And the more I talk about being an angry woman, the more women say to me, oh, my God, I'm an angry woman too. I have these moments, often as a mum, you know, there's angry mother syndrome where I have these outbursts, you know, where I'm I'm angry and I, I don't even know where it came from. Mm. And what, what happened was I was so curious about this. I did a three-part podcast series on it. And when you dig into the research around women and anger, it always comes back consistently to two themes, when they don't feel heard and they don't feel valued. Mm. Yeah, so think about when you don't feel heard and valued, I'll guarantee you it's directly connected to you feeling angry. And so unpacking that and exploring it is really interesting, right, because they're the two things that um, I think women want the most in terms of, you know, feeling like they're worthy, just Give me that that recognition that I put the meal on the table, like you said. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just thought it's, it's fascinating. Do you know what? And I think that's a really good point that you make, and um, I'm hoping our listeners have, have really um, touched or, you know, found that very worthwhile because it is that just that thank you very much and and that mood, you know, we often say we often talk to a lot of women that so this mood came out of nowhere, you know, well, what's brought that on? What's happened to bring that on? You know, it can be hormones, it can be other things, and they're all connected as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, perfect, um, perfect yeah, good information. So it also highlights the opportunity that there is for us women too to actually talk about this as well mm. and communicate that, that, you know, this is this is what my day has consisted of. And, again, it's not with, you know, the idea of that some, someone's playing a violin for no. us, but just communicating and having that open conversation, a two-way conversation, right, with your partner and with your kids as well around this is how the day has gotten to where it's gotten to. And I'd, I'd love to introduce that appreciation or recognising the worth that we all bring to that to our family. It's, we, we don't give ourselves permission enough to be vocal and open up about what we're feeling and what we would love people to actually feel about us or share with us as well. And, and you know, when you think about it, if we don't share those things, that next generation just thinks they magically happen. And, you know, we need to be really, really aware of actually sharing how it actually got there for every little bit of thing, you know, every little bit of thing that you know, that we're providing to them, feeding their bodies, you know, making their beds, you know, although my boys make their bed at this point in their life. But um, you know what I mean? Like it's very important to share how we got there. There's a beautiful little exercise that I made up and did with my husband that I would definitely advocate if this is something you want to explore for your listeners using because it changed the whole dynamic of our relationship. And so we did this during COVID because I realised there was a complete and utter disconnect between what made both of us feel valued and hurt. Mm. 
And so what we did was I said, go away and um, I want both of us to write a list of what makes us feel valued, what makes us feel heard and what makes us feel loved. And so we went away and we wrote our list of valued, heard and loved and then we came back and we sat down over dinner, the two of us, and we discussed it. And it was such an epiphany for me because I'll guarantee you, especially the difference between men and women, Um, what makes a man feel valued is completely different to a woman. Mm. And so I wasn't aware of what would make him feel valued. He was completely not even aware that just acknowledging, like you say, the fact that I did something um, kind like went and made him a meal was even important to acknowledge. Do you know what mm. I mean? So yeah, absolutely. Changed, and you could equally do it with your kids. Like oh, yeah, I love that. Standing from your children, what makes you feel valued? What makes you feel heard? Because often children don't feel heard. Mm. Yeah, and that's where the disconnection comes where you don't understand what's going on in their mm. life mm. yeah 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 definitely yes no so, so such a great exercise and I'm going to do that I, I can see you doing that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an avid learner but I'm also an action taker too yeah. so I love learning but I love putting things into practice and and just a bit of an invitation to our listeners to also it's great to listen and take this knowledge but you really get the greatest change and impact when you can turn it into action mm. and, um, our, our greatest learning comes from learning about ourselves and supporting ourselves Penny, let's talk menopause because uh, we connected and, and spoke and you said, oh, my goodness, the women that I work with, menopause comes up a lot. Mm. And, of course, you know, there's lots of feelings, there's lots of emotions and experiences that women are having. What are you seeing through your work um, mm. for the women who are going through menopause? Oh, there's a couple of consistent themes. Um And it's funny, you know, I'm 48, so technically I'm meant to be in this, so I'm curious to see whether I am based on what you guys know. But um, the first thing that I find really interesting is that most women think they're going crazy before they realise they're experiencing menopause. And I, that to me, like, is like a... um, a red flag. It says to me that we don't understand enough about our bodies and what's going on and actually recognising the signs um, until we're already sitting there questioning our mental health, right? So uh, that says to me that there is a huge opportunity and we are talking about menopause more, but I still don't think it's anywhere near enough. Mm. Um, And there is still a complete and utter, utter lack of awareness for those who don't go through menopause in understanding how this impacts women's lives. Um, in the everyday. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing that I found really disturbing is the amount of women that have shared with me um, off the back of talks I've given, but equally prospective coaching clients that have shared with me that they have gone through menopause at a much younger age, like early 40s. And they have been to a number of doctors and physicians and been told that they're too young to be in menopause. Correct. (laughs) Yep, or in perimenopause. And told that they're crazy and that, again, that that they're not correct and it couldn't possibly be only to find out that they're absolutely correct. And so already they're feeling isolated and alone because they're in an age that's younger than most women and then they have people in the medical industry telling them that they're crazy. Mm. Um, And so that's why I wanted to, that's why I reached out to you guys because I was like, this is so wrong. Like we've been having menopause since we've existed, mm. how is it this topic is still so taboo? Mm. 
So I, I get really passionate because I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Mm, I know. And if our listeners could see, Lisa and I were nodding. We're like those little cats in the Chinese store, you <laughs> know? Shaking our heads. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it is, they're very common scenarios that women are experiencing and uh, that, that isolation and that loneliness and that confusion is is absolutely real, isn't it? It is. And you're bang on. And, you know, just... Um, the, the ongoing crazy bit, it is definitely a symptom of menopause. It's, you know, the, the thing driving it is the decrease in hormones that in estrogen, particularly that we feel in progesterone. And um, I, I think that what you raise is a really good point is that women are more in touch with their bodies than they actually realise. And mm-hmm. if you feel like you, you're in it um, and someone says you're going crazy, you're mad, go to someone else and seek out a doctor that is actually trained in menopause, seek out people like Nat and I to actually, you know, be able to help you move through it and understand what the symptoms are. And we've got this great symptom slide that we put up in our workshops and when we're speaking to people with coaching and they look at it, not all the symptoms are on it, it's probably about 15 symptoms, and they look and they go, oh, yeah, I have that. Oh, yeah, I have that. Oh, I have that. So if I showed it to you in this in this podcast as well, Penny, you'd probably go, yeah, I, I experienced those things as well. Um, mm. There's nothing wrong with you. It's just how your body is, co- or, you know, is, ha- is, is moving through this transition on your way to menopause. And like you said, we've been experiencing it since the day dot. We're just not um, through patriarchy, call it whatever you want. We're not discussing it enough. And that's obviously the work that Nat and I are doing in advocating to bring that to the forefront. Um, and it's really sad that those women that you talk about are being brushed off aside by doctors. And we know that perimenopause can start to whisper to women in their mid to late 30s. And I know for me, now that I'm really well versed on this, in my early 40s, I'm 53. And in my early 40s, I felt the whispers, didn't know what it was. And that's why the awareness is so important, right? Because- Absolutely. And the other thing I think is really interesting that comes up a lot as well is the amount of women that do go to doctors because they think something's wrong with them, not realising it's menopause, and all they get, they get um, prescribed, like it's like, here, take some antidepressants. Yep. Um, here's some HRT. And the amount of women that say to me, I want to know what my options are. I want to know what the alternative, like what are the natural therapies? What are some of the things that I can try? Because I don't want antidepressants. Like Mm. that to me is not a sustainable solution. And I haven't had mental health issues before. And I think that's really interesting as well. Like where do women go to? And I'm not saying that, you know, some people may need those things and that's fine, but women should be given all of the options, Mm. right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 We, we need the information to be able to make informed decisions about our body and not be given one cookie cutter approach, but actually look at, you know, all avenues. And, and for us, you know, the work that we do is very much focused on lifestyle and mm-hmm. our listeners will be well-versed if uh, they've listened to past episodes that we often talk about nutrition, the importance of nutrition and key nutrients to support our bodies, um, movement and doing the right movement for your age, because the way that you moved your bodies in your twenties and your thirties is very different different to what you need in your 40s and your 50s sleep another big one and you know the the big one that trumps everything is stress mm. and you'd see it too um penny that women are very highly stressed and and we talk a lot about that hidden stress too that a lot of women don't actually recognize that they're feeling stressed but the slightest thing in their day would be setting off that that stress response in 
their body. And, and that's constantly contributing to how their health and, and their well-being is, particularly at this phase of life. And really, you know, again, the message for our listeners is don't ignore the changes in your body. So All the whispers. Absolutely. I mean, I'm 41, I'm 42 later this year. I don't know if I've come into perimenopause yet, but I am feeling changes in my cycle and I am feeling other things happening in my body. And, you know, I think probably as we talk, our greatest defence against the fear and the taboo is having that knowledge. And for me, obviously working in this space and having the knowledge, I'm, I'm aware of it and I'm, I'm comfortable. And whether it is or it isn't, it is what it is. And now I can just be with my body and say, okay, well, let's just keep monitoring. Let's keep nurturing the lifestyle and the things that I need to support myself. And it's also around acknowledging that gut feel around things that are happening because often mm. it's 100% right, but we've been... You know, we're in the society where we start, we push it aside and go, no, it couldn't be, right? And um, and that, it's that whisper and that's what's really important to acknowledge. I love this whispers, right, because, again, that's not a term I've ever heard. And I think, to your point, like noticing patterns mm. and that's perhaps what, like it's funny because I did a podcast earlier this year with a friend of mine who is um, a wellbeing coach and she works with a lot of women, had a lot of success around hormones um, mm. and helping women have babies, but also just, you know, understanding your hormones and working with them from a health perspective. Mm. And we did the podcast because I was saying to her in a side conversation, um, I was like, we were talking about alcohol and I was saying like, I'm 40, why am I 47? And I, you know, no, no signs of menopause, blah, blah, blah. And then in the same conversation, I turned around and I went, I've got this issue. Like I used to drink red wine and have no problem whatsoever. And in the last 12 months, every time I drink red wine, I can't sleep. And if I do sleep, I wake in the middle of the night and I have anxiety and I've never had anxiety in my life, but that's the only thing I can liken it to. It's anxiety. I'm like ruminating, like, and it's only when I drink red wine. And she was like, that's a sign of um, perimenopause. And I was like, what? Yeah. You know, and equally, I have found that I have, again, been a huge, like heavy sleeper, never had a problem with sleep my whole life. And in the last 12 months, I have to wear earplugs and an eye mask because I'm so sensitive to sound. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, and she's like, that's another sign. I'm like, I, no, I'm 48 years old, you know, almost 40. I'm Why really- has no one told me this? <laughs> I I didn't even make the connection. So how is it like, and I would say like you guys, you know, I'm pretty well informed, but clearly not when it comes to menopause. Yeah, and it's really interesting you bring that up because from an education point of view, we don't talk about this enough in schools, you know, and it probably, it needs to come into that piece in, in high school where, um, it may, it's obviously not on their radar, but you do remember things in biology. We talk a bit about menstruation, great, not enough, but this needs to be brought into it as well. And this is where the work that Nat and I are doing in corporate workplaces um, is it so important because women don't go back and actually go, oh, God, what, what did I miss out on? You know, what do I need to have on my radar? And it's really within the workplace. Where's setting the time with- to do that? <laughs> That's exactly right, right? So we don't have the time. But yet they're perfect exterior. That's it, uh, all that kind of stuff. But yet in a workplace setting, that's where an employer, I believe, has a real responsibility to bring that education in across women, men, um, everyone in the workplace so that they can have that training around biology, health and wellness, all that kind of thing that at least heightens their um, curiosity and think, oh, well, you know, even from a basic foundation, but it gets them thinking about it and thinking, you know what, that is me. Just like the things that you've described, um, that you're experiencing as well. 
Well, because I think again, the when you speak to women, still all I hear is unless you're getting hot flushes, no one thinks they're going through it. Nah, nah, that's right. And they don't even realise that all those other symptoms are, are, are a thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm curious, uh, Penny, when women talk to you about these uncertainty around changes or they're experiencing stress and, you know, it is probably through that perimenopause um, element, you know, that is exacerbating those symptoms, do you offer any, what are some of the tips and strategies that you're offering to women to help them find their spark during this time? Not even just at that age, you know, that that age, you know, early 40s, mid 40s, early 50s, that you're having these discussions. What kind of tips and strategies do you offer to them? Not related to menopause, I'm assuming. You're no, talking just, more about Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and you, often you and that coincide. All good. No, no. So, you know, what kind of things are you giving them to help them through? I would say if we take it right back to basics, which I'm all about, simple changes have the biggest impact, right? And I think that many of us look at life and we're so conditioned to set goals Mm -hmm. and look into the future, yet it distracts us from the now and the opportunity that the now presents. And so one of the simplest things that I do, because so many of the women that come to me are always in the future in their head, Um, And the one thing that they tell me they wish they had more of was being present in the moments that matter is to actually connect them into the now and the opportunity it provides. So what we talk about is what would a great day, a flourishing day look like for you? Not in the context of, oh, I'm travelling Europe and I'm, you know, (laughs) sitting in a cafe. Like that's great, yeah, and we all love holidays. But I'm saying... What are the things that are available to you in the everyday that make you feel good? And you've started to touch on some of them. You know, it's the same stuff that help us manage menopause. It's movement. It's connection with people that we love. It's recharging our batteries by doing little things, whether it's, I don't know, um, a mindfulness moment or it might be, you know, stepping away from the noise and listening to a podcast, like what are the small things that you know recharge your batteries, that you know make you feel good in the everyday? And once we're clear on just a couple of those, how could we start playing with them to bring them into each day more often? Because there is a beautiful um, psychological theory, which I talk about a lot, called the conservation of resources theory. And the way that this works is that we are all just one human with 24 hours in the day. doesn't matter how you cut it. We're all limited to 24 hours. And what happens if you think of yourself a bit like a mobile phone battery, right? When you wake in, in the morning, you have available to you a set level of mental and physical resources. Now, how you choose to use those mental and physical resources throughout the day will determine whether your batteries are recharged and that, you know, that little light is at full or whether it's going down and the warning signals are starting to come on in terms of your body telling you, you need to recharge, you need to plug yourself back in. Mm -hmm. Now, what we see with most women is that we've become so disconnected from our bodies, which is, again, part of why we perhaps don't even recognise menopause, yeah, We've become so disconnected, we just walk over the warning signals that our body presents to us. Now, what that does is it puts your central nervous system in a chronic state of stress. And it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you'll either burn out or end up with a serious health condition, 
right? And I'm, like I say, this is all based on research in psychology. I've been studying it for the last three years. So knowing that, asking yourself, what are the things that recharge my batteries? What are those micro moments I can inject more of into each day? That's where I start. And it's so interesting. If you, It could be as simple as most women will always deprioritize their movement. movement. It's the first thing that falls off, yeah, the schedule when life gets hectic. And movement is the number one thing that makes us feel good on every level, gives us greater clarity, makes us feel more energized. Yeah. So even if if that's deprioritized, I say to women more often, so you're not moving your body. Let's just focus on moving two days a week. So start tiny because what all, we're also very good at setting very high expectations. So we go in and we try and change things overnight and I'll guarantee you sets you up for failure because you'll have two great days, one bad one, and then you give up because you go, oh, I failed. So micro moments of recharge, what are they? What are the things that make you feel good in every day? How can you inject a little more of those into every day? And I'll guarantee you it will create the confidence and the motivation to then look at the bigger stuff. Mm. But I'd start small. Mm. So good. And to coin something that you're always saying, you're speaking our language, Penny. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And we often talk about those things being energy drainers or energy boosters. And I love the fact that you just bring self-care back to basics and everyday things, right? Because again, we're very much conditioned that self-care is us going to have a massage or go for a spa treatment or go on this amazing holiday. In actual fact, they should just be extension to the things that we do on our daily living, right? Um, So I love that, you know, that's, that is our greatest self-care, just coming back to ourselves. And, um, and we often say, you know, in that forties and fifties age bracket, if there's ever a time for your greatest self-care, it is in those decades because they set you up for a long, healthy life um, beyond that one day of menopause as well. So beautiful Mm. tips and, and love that, yeah, you've come back to the basics. Just finally, our podcast is all about power and finding, nurturing and using our personal power as we transition through life phases, in this case, perimenopause and beyond. We'd love to know from you and perhaps you've already shared it, but how have you come into your own power? <laughs> That's a great question. No one's ever asked me that. <laughs> Do you know, it's a, it's a very similar response that we hear from everyone. I mean, coming into your power is, is so powerful. So, yeah, I'm keen to see what you're going to say. Yeah, and it's funny because it's probably not what you expect. I would say in the last couple of years, it's lifting weights. Oh, love that. I have, like, you know, I've done every, as someone who grew up overweight, um, when I was 26, I did another life disruption. I quit. I used to smoke a pack of cigarettes a day back in the old world when it was cool. I quit smoking and went on this health thing and I'd never really exercised. And I lost 20, I think it was 28 kilos and I've never put it back on, right? And I be, became like a different person because I realised how good moving my body made me feel. Um, and so, you know, I've always lifted weights. But like you said, and again, you it's one of the first times I've heard someone say it on a podcast, um, you know, as you get older, like I used to run triathlons, I used to do 180K bike rides, I did the Oxfam trail work, I've done everything, I've done half marathons. But I, my body physically doesn't want to do that stuff anymore, right? I just, I get injured and I don't want to be injured because then that impacts. So I have gotten pretty serious in the last two years about lifting weights to the point where at the age, I'm 48 in two weeks, I can now leg press 300 kilos. Oh, I'm impressed. Amazing. That is amazing. 
So, and I can't tell you, there is, and this is what I say, when your body is strong, your mind is strong. And so when I lift weights in the gym, I just feel so powerful in every aspect of my being. It takes, it carries out of the gym and into my life because what it's taught me, it's like, it has taught me that I am, like, I never thought I could do a leg press at 300 kilos right? But it's taught me that we are all capable of so much more than we realize. And we are way more strong than we realize. And the gym is a beautiful way to teach yourself that, that you can then transfer into everyday life. Mm. Amazing. I love that. (laughs) I love the question. It's a great question. It is a great question. And um, I'm always intrigued to see what the answer is. And I love your answer. In fact, I, I'm a big, I, I love Pilates, but I'm currently looking at, I want to start lifting weights. So that's very inspiring. Thank you, Penny. It's so important. Like you keep saying, like, as we get older, like with women and osteoporosis and all of that, if there's one thing, I don't want to get osteoporosis. And the other thing I always think about, cause I, you know, I, when we get older, we're around older people, right? Our mm. parents, I don't want to be an old person that can't move. Cause I reckon <laughs> you might as well be dead, right? I don't want to be sitting there on the couch watching daytime TV. Not no. interested. No. <laughs> that is no, I still want to be going on a hike and all that kind of stuff when I'm 80 years old, right? So Completely agree yeah. with you. Yeah. So good. Such a great conversation. Where can our listeners connect with you, Penny? I'm sure there'll be loads that we want to. Yeah, um, you will find me I um, on my website, hackinghappy.co. But to be honest, the space I really like to play is LinkedIn because I like saying all the things that people think but are too afraid to say. Mm. Um, so, yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn. You'll just find me at Penny Lacasso. Beautiful. We'll add all those links into the show notes. And thank you so much, Penny. I, we're, we're definitely aligned in um, our message and, and the impact and information that we can share. And it was just, yeah, a, a great conversation. Yeah, I sort of feel like there's a Penny Lacasso podcast number two. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to do that. And I can't wait to have you ladies on my podcast Part of the reason why I reached out because I think the work that you are doing is so important. Um, It's so important to the mental health of women. It's so important to our ability to live our lives fully. So uh, thank you for what you do. I think it's it's critical. And I just wish the platform was damn bigger. (laughs) Yeah, 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 us too. But we're getting there. You know what? We're doing it. So let's just uh, let's just see that platform grow. Right. Thanks, Penny. Thanks again for sharing your time with us, learning how you can be your best energetic self no matter what life stage you are going through. Be sure to contact us if any of this content resonates with you. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any of our future episodes. See you next time.